And we're back. Block to the ballroom. Oh. Another episode. Let me go make me a plate real quick. Make sure you Matter of fact, now I can. I gotta. <laughs> oh. This is the official electric slide song, by the way. For sure. If you don't know it. People do it to the real electric slide song? Come on. Some people. <laughs> but this is it right here. You make me happy. Hey. This you can tell. And you know you got to snap with it. You sit right beside me. Hey. We in a good mood. And I won't forget. Hey. Hit the high note for me. Quick. Monday off, and y'all. I really love you. You should know. And you know with us, we always saw a little shimmy in it when we, you know what I mean? Before we yeah. spin around, a little high kick. You have to, man. That's how you celebrate that right there. Man, from the block to the boardroom. Episode 16. Yes, yes, yes. We back again. Last year was about branding. This year's about expanding. Hope everybody enjoyed that YouTube video we did, man. That YouTube episode. Absolutely. We're getting a lot of good feedback about it. Good content, good content. We're going to try to bring your video episode at least once a month. For sure, for sure. Absolutely. How, how you feeling, brother Trev, man? It's, it's good to see you feeling again. Feeling good, man. Feeling good. I, I enjoyed uh, what we did last time. The YouTube, uh, the visual edition was great. Um, it's something we've been planning for a while. It was dope to actually execute it. We got great, f- great feedback on it. That was just so dope, man. When I reflect on where we took the podcast um, in a year, that was the one year anniversary episode. Feeling good, man. Feeling good. The weather's starting to get a little bit better now. We're not consistently there yet, but we're getting closer to spring. Daylight savings passed. Um, I'm mad at myself, though, for just finally finishing up Godfather of Harlem. Mm. So like I've seen little clips before and I've been meaning to get to it. And then I think like one time I was going to get to it, but then I started it late. I fell asleep and I just never really got to it. You know? Yeah. And I've been watching that whole joint over the weekend. The joint was amazing. And I was just like, bro, why didn't I, why didn't I do this from when I first said I was going to do it? I think it was like some point in 2020, I was going to do it. But you know what? All the better because season two comes out. Um, April 18th And now it's fresh in my mind Absolutely. But it is, that's bro That's right up my alley Kind of like Snowfall Like listen yeah. Organized crime Mixed with history And culture Yo, That's that's my kind of show You know what's funny That's, that's my kind of show That's your algorithms I always tease bro Because I'm like Shows that have my algorithms I just sit there and binge watch I have to So man I, I wish I got on that earlier, but outside of that, can't complain, King. All is well. All is well. How you doing? Good, good, good. Yo, it was it was good. Um, that episode that we did, a lot of good feedback that you said as well. You know, I, I love when people give us constructive criticism. I love when they share love. Um, they share their opinions because this is really a podcast for the people right now. You know, like letting them into our minds and sharing our perspective, but also wanting to hear what they think. So hearing a lot of people share with us and tell us what they think, that was, that was great, man. I really, really enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed sharing that stage with you, good brother. Very informative too, brother. I mean, the All of Us Research Program, yeah, yeah. very informative. That, that'll be good. And we'll talk about vaccinations later on as well. So that was a good time to talk about it. Nationals, um, they loved it. Chapter loved it. People that didn't know a lot about research, they told me that they loved it and they enjoyed it as well, which is forget nationals and everybody else. That's the audience I really wanted to capture. So I was happy about that as well, brother. Dope, dope. You fresh off um, your mom just had her birthday, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So happy you, birthday. Oh, absolutely. Happy big, birthday big, big 6-0. I mean, nice. I guess we can we can jump right into the mental health check-in if you want. Oh, that was oh, that wasn't it? 
No, 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 no. That was just uh, that's just talking about. <laughs> I, I was giving you my state of mind. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't have anything else to add. I thought that was it. <laughs> uh, my mom's birthday is coming up soon as well, uh, the twenty fourth of March. Good times loading. Yeah, and then you already know April's very own. I kicked that month off for y'all. So yes, April first. You know, our, our good co-host, our Block to the Ballroom's very own, Trev's birthday. How old you turning this year? 32. 32. Good, 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 good. Look, the view gets better from up here, man. Keep so telling us. So I've heard, man. Give good. thanks. And you know, it's, 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 we still got a ways to go, but man, much better predicament than last year. Yeah. Because my birthday was like fresh off of like two weeks after everything shut down. Oh, you know? Yeah. So it was legit like zero options of just going places, dining anywhere, anything like that. You know, we're not fully back to, you know, what we're used to, but definitely way more, way more understanding of what's going on and more options than before. So thankful for it. But um, that's that was my mental health checking, brother. But if there's something else you want to enlighten us with, I mean, enlighten the people telling me just got another promotion. Man, it's guy gets promotions <laughs> out here like people get the newspaper. Just gets well, delivered at his doorstep every day, man. Tell the well, good people about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so before I even get to that, I, I think for me, mental health check in. It was big. I was in a good mood this weekend because it was my mom's 60th birthday, which was huge. And in the beginning of it, it was real bittersweet for me while I was sitting back watching, you know, the family get together. So we, you came to Leanna's birthday party, uh, her one-year birthday yep. party that we had. So we eventually stumbled into having that, renting out that same space for about 25, 30 people because we wanted to make sure that, you know, people could space out. They was do on top thing. of each other yep. and do their thing. Uh, and while I was sitting back thinking about it, I was like, man, my mom is 60 now. And I was also like, at a, so my mom is one out of five children, right? She's the middle child. She's the first child to reach 60. And it's only one and other, one, her and one other sibling alive. And I was thinking back on that. Um, you know, you hear about life expectancies for everybody else. People will tell you, you know, the normal life expectancy is like in your 70s for everybody. But my family, it's been much shorter than that. So, you know, thinking back and looking at the family that was there, thinking about all of the family that's not there. My mom's birthday has always been a big celebration of my family because it's her and her twin's birthday, right? Um, you know, oh, your mom's your mom's one of a twin. I didn't so know that. not not a legit twin. Okay. Her and her sister's born on the same day. They're two years apart. Got it. Okay. Right. Okay. So everybody calls them twins. Uh, but it's the it's a big celebration in the family all the time. And, you know, like since my aunt passed away, we've always attempted to still make it a big celebration for the family. Right. Always have both of them on the cake, always talk about both of them. And I guess like this year would not be able to have all of the family together because of COVID. It just made it hit so much closer to home that everybody mm -hmm. wasn't there. And last year you were able to do it because it was right before that cutoff. Yeah, right actually, before. right. We were both in Atlanta together. Right, I mean, yeah. Right? And, and it wasn't until we was getting ready to head out where it got evident, like, yeah, we might need to get home. Cause yeah, and it was like, New York is closed. Yeah, because yeah. that's when it got spooky, while we was in Atlanta, yep. Yeah, so, you know, like, and then also just thinking about there's people that died from COVID, died this past year, that would have been at my mother's 60th birthday mm. party that was close friends. So thinking about that, but then, you know, we got into the groove of it. We started dancing. My mother loves to dance. My mother loved, at 60 years old, my mother would dance me under a table at any opportunity she has, right? Like my mother's not even somebody I'll ever challenge on the dance floor and I love to dance. So like seeing her dance, seeing her smile, uh, they got this dance called the, the motorcycle shuffle. 
mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people don't, a motorcycle slide, a lot of people don't know it. But my mom had taught it to me like two, three years ago. So it came on and she's like, where's my son at? Like, she's like yelling it. And I'm like, yo, what dance you both you want to do? So she starts doing it. I'm like, oh, I remember it. And it you ends up it just out? being that's me and dope. her. Yeah. That's dope. So um, that was a good time, man. It's being able to see my, my siblings. I had, so my youngest nephew, you know, uh, Ishmael, that was hospitalized yep. and went through everything. Seeing him just run everywhere. Right, like, like, you, like a normal kid his age should. And you think about everything that he'd been through, right? Like it's just, that was beautiful. That's you know, it's like the, the cycle of life. So like I got to take that in, being with my sister, my cousins. Like one of my cousins, JB, he danced, he danced more than I've seen him dance in a very long time. Like me and him grew up, I'm talking eight, nine, 10, 11 years old doing the kid and play for money in front of the family. Okay, okay. Right? So seeing him dance and enjoy himself, like we, it was a great time. So that really- Sometimes that's a that's a great feeling too, to watch other one, other loved ones, other people that yeah. we know maybe haven't been, you know, their true selves or at their happiest in a little bit, like seeing them just let loose and have fun too. So that's very fulfilling also to see, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So that, that that's where I'm at um, in a good mood. Got some things planned uh, for work, and um, you know, a couple of different things. So I'm 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 happy. I'm good with it, brother. And I What's guess uh, is if you want to add anything else to mental health, if you don't, we get right in, in into the get into, into it, the topic. We get, man. We, we get into it. You know, I'm just ready for uh, April season to start, baby. That's, that's my that's my mental health. Kick this thing off. Every season is among us. Kick this thing off. Yeah, shout out to shout out to our, our production manager, Bugs. Her birthday next week. Aries too, man. coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it'll be a good mm-hmm. one. Um, all right, yo. So let, let's start with it, man. Jay Z sells title to Square. How you feel about it? How you feel about it? How you feel um, about it? Very interesting. So, so first of all, I felt this play. It, it wasn't overnight because we saw mm-hmm. uh, we saw the CEO of um, Square Twitter, uh, Jack Dorsey and Jay, um, doing lunches over the summertime and. They've been together quite a few. Clearly, they talk in business. You know, they might be friends too, but it's at that level, it's business talks. Um, so, multiple things. One, as a title subscriber, I've I've appreciated title a little bit different from Apple Music in a sense. I just always felt like title always made sure that they. Because here's the thing: you always have to have a different end game. You have to have a different angle. So, I remember I was reading this article mathematically. It's almost impossible for Tidal to have the amount of subscribers. Spotify is the largest. Have the amount of subscribers as Spotify or Apple Music. It's just not even that. You know, like they're, yeah. they're that far behind in subscriptions. But what they've done a great job at, okay, they're not going to win a subscription war. But for the people that are um, monthly subscribers of Tidal and even pre-pandemic, the content they deliver, the free concerts, the interviews, and just Every time there's something like in the culture that happens, like I, I don't know if it's uh, MLK Day, you'll see like a MLK speech playlist. Um, and when the verses was going down, you'll see the verses list. Like they just always got something that's so um, relevant to the respective time that we're in, and, and just just a lot of content. So I've always appreciated that about Title. But then also um, following business news and understanding business concepts and understanding scalability, I always wondered. I was like how far can title really go? Because when it comes to the biggest revenue generating part of the streaming business, which is monthly subscriptions, they're far behind, Mm -hmm. like very far, very, very far behind. 
you know, still possibly profitable. I'm not even sure if they are profitable, um, how, 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 you know, if they're in the red or in the black past couple of years, but far behind a subscription. So I've always wanted scalability. So I think all in all added, um, if the, if the core nature of title can be maintained and kept maybe even augmented, I really don't see an issue with it because, you know, we will talk about it more with another thing that uh, another recent sale that took place. I think a big thing that we have to be mindful of, you know, a lot of times people pitch, you know, black business, black business, black ownership. I'm all for that. But let's not confuse a black owned grocery store, a black owned dry cleaners, a black owned restaurant, uh, a, a, a black owned um, hardware store. You know, key things needed in the neighborhood, black owned banks. Let's not confuse things like that with startups, technology, and um, and application businesses, which for a, a, a lot of the times have a window of scalability, meaning that once you get past a certain window, these things now become hard to scale and they kind of miss their peak, you know? So looking at this platform, I think it's interesting though that it was sold, it was with Square and mm-hmm. not with Twitter. Because I remember I listened to a podcast, a business podcast, and it it just seemed like there would have been more alignment with Twitter, leveraging social media and streaming music, you know, like that way people could, I don't know, tweet their song. I mean, mean, you can already do that, but I I figured there there would be more alignment there than Square, which is more so based on money transfers. But I, I guess they're, they're, they're cooking up something in their mind of a way how it could it could help leverage both. I don't like maybe like I send you some money in a song place. Like I, I don't I don't know. What the, I, I think it's been a little harder for people to profit off of Twitter. I think that's something a couple of companies have realized with like they partnered with the NBA during the bubble, didn't they? Or was it the NFL? Not sure. I think it was the it might have been the NFL. Uh, one of the two partnered with Twitter. Um to try to bring a better experience. But I, I, uh, my thoughts on it is I like the fact that Jay didn't just give up title. Right. Right. Like he gave up a majority stakeholder. Right. But then he got a seat at Square's table, which is the biggest thing for me. Like, so I'm big on representation matters. Having our voice there matters. Right. And no matter what people say, title has been successful because they've lasted this long. A lot of people was like, oh, they're not going to last long. Apple's going to come and buy them up. He didn't just give it up. It was, I'll trade you this majority stakeholder interest for a seat at the table so we can actually move forward with Square. And I think they'll end up making a lot more money with Square than what they were making with Title. You know, um, but I'm, I'm always going to support Title because, you know, it's a black owned business yep, in a world same. that's been dominated by non-black people, although the music is dominated by black people. And let's keep in mind, too, one thing that Jay uh, gained is that he's now on the board for Square. Yes. Yes. And that was my big thing. Right. Like that. That was my big. So, you know, we're looking at this large, this large um, tech company, this large platform. And now now we have, you know, a mind like Jay, somebody with the ear to the culture like Jay um, on the actual board of this of this organization, too. So it's not kind of like he just took the the compensation and. Now he's parted ways. He's, he's still there. So yeah, and you know, everybody gets represented with him. Everybody gets represented, which which goes right into a similar point. Versus versus held us down in the pandemic. <laughs> they took you know what I mean? Us. Took care of us in the pandemic. But back to the the idea that I mentioned before too: scalability, scalability. Yes. 
You know, yes. matter of fact, let me, let me just let me clap it up for clap it up for Swiss Beats <laughs> and Timbaland real quick, because you know we got technology that can do that now. So let me clap it up for them real quick. No, yeah, it was it's, that's dope, man. They sold verses to Triller, mm-hmm. uh, and now instead of seeing it on Apple TV, you're gonna watch it on Triller, on Triller, or or on Instagram traditionally, right? So yeah, that Instagram experience, I did not enjoy that. Well, you know what? Let me say I didn't enjoy it once we got Apple Music and I right. realized how much better Apple Music was than Instagram. So it's, it's, I think it's huge because they sold Versus to Triller, but then they, they, they ended up um, getting, they both ended up getting seats at the table and then they gave everybody who wow. performed at Versus, <laughs> everybody who's performed on a Versus had some sort of equity stake. equity stake in it. That's huge, bro. All of them. All of them. That's huge. Artists. Yep. That's huge. And, and that's, get, that's the real key. That's the real key right there. And you get people that don't understand it. Like, um, big up man, like bone to kill on beanie man, you know? Yes, absolutely. So you yep. got like Tyreek from, from power, uh, made a statement saying that Swiss and, and Timberland sold out. Come on, son. I'm like, you don't understand. Jay, it go back to what I was talking about, about scalability. Let's be honest. You know, and, and here's the thing we have to, we, we, we can't let pride stop our progress. You know, like pride, you, you got to be very careful with pride, man. Pride sometimes can, can, can send you backwards. I think with things opening back up, slowly but surely easing out of the pandemic, live venues and things of that nature opening back up. The way it was, the way it is right now, Versus really thrived during 2020 in the heart of the pandemic. Let's be completely honest. Versus has been a little dry lately. Yeah. Versus has been a little bit dry lately, and I'm not sure if how, how much longer the way it was going, how sustainable, how sustainable it would be in the, in the direction that it was going, especially now as people have more access to entertainment, there's more things going on, particularly in the music scene, live entertainment. Live entertainment will always trump virtual entertainment, in my opinion, when it comes to music. So I think when you add those things up, um, I think they were able to not only strike a great deal, they were able to strike a great deal which compensated the people that helped build the Versus brand. That's not the type of deal that you often see. All these artists that took part in it still maintain creative control before, you know, maybe by the summertime, who knows, Versus would just be a thing that we just remembered. And like, mm-hmm. remember when Swiss and Timberland was doing Versus? Like, it, it would have just been a thing. It would have been a figment, not a figment, it would have been something of our, of our memory, you yeah. know, something that we talk about. Instead, they were able to monetize on it before it phased out. Yep. Because if we're being real, and this is no respect to what they started, bro, Versus was on his way out. But Versus it's, was on his way out. You know what, though? What people fail to remember sometimes when it comes to live entertainment is that people love live entertainment, and they also love being able to watch live entertainment, like watch it from a, a TV screen, kind of like sports. Right. Right. Sports is it's a different feeling when you're live at the game than when you're on TV. But people like being gathered around together watching it on TV. Absolutely. And they have to figure out a way to do that with certain concerts because, to be honest, only certain artists can accomplish that with it not affecting their live sales. True. So, for example, the On The Run Tour, Jay-Z and Beyonce, sold out, right? People would still pay for a thriller moment of having that live and being able to have this 
background access to it, but that's also a production course with cameras and everything. Maybe Trilla can bring that to them so where Versus doesn't die, but you still right. get that kind of experience, right? Like those, those are certain things that you really want to see because there's some artists that they're only going to get a big turnout in certain markets. That's a fact. Right. So so being able to for them to have a big turnout in their market and then still allow them to capitalize on a video tele telephone version of that. Right. So um, I, I think that's good. I think that's dope, man. Congratulations to Swiss Beats and Timbaland. Congratulations to all the artists that performed that got equity in it, which is a beautiful thing. Um, I'm, I'm really, 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 really happy for the man. And I guess uh, moving on to uh, another topic. Good brother. Another Let's topic. Get it. Let's get it. Um, COVID nineteen vaccine. Ooh. It's a very, <laughs> very, very, very hot topic right now. Right. Um, a lot of people are, are are scared about getting vaccinated. So we both got vaccinated. Yeah, we did. Right. So. Let's share what vaccine we got one right. and what drove us to make that decision to get vaccinated. So I'll start with you, good brother. So I got the uh, Moderna vaccine, mm -hmm. um, two dose, two dose vaccination. Um, got it through um, a program that's being run by the New York City Department of Health. Uh, my sister, who's a um, city employee, put me onto it. Um, yeah, so it's two dose. And I think what drove me to get it I would say multiple, multiple, so multiple reasons. So just all the research I've done on my own, a lot of the research that I've done, which um, speaking with you, um, as you're very involved in, uh, in the research, I mean, we went in depth last episode on the All of Us um, research program and, and, and what you guys are looking to um, battle and what type of um, things you're looking to dispel or actually clarify or make changes in the way that research is even conducted. You know, even even in that aspect. So I think when I analyze it, and I spoke about this before, I spoke about it from episode within 2019. I'm fully aware of a lot of the um, things in medical research, and we we spoke through it to ski experiment. We've gone through the list of where things that haven't really gone in our favor. Consent wasn't there. Full knowledge and transparency wasn't there, particularly within the black community. Fully aware of those things, mm -hmm. um, but I also tried not to let that sway or 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 uh fog my my vision for everything that comes next so when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine and you know discussing with you doing my own research and things of that nature I think people would be surprised to know a lot of the people who were behind on on, on this vaccine like be aware of the history we know about the history be aware of that but as the more I started to look into it, I started to realize that this right here is not necessarily that. And that doesn't mean that that's not a problem and we still don't have things, work that needs to be done on that end. But this current instance may not be that similar or even reminiscent of some of these past instances of what's, you know, creating a lot of the doubt. And the doubt is, is rightfully so. I mean, it's rightfully so. I just, I think you have to do your own research to realize if the doubt fits this particular situation or it doesn't fit this particular situation. So I think that was the first thing. Um, I'll be honest with you. For me personally, also then it started, I was like, well, well which one? Um, for me personally, when I saw the numbers on the Moderna and Pfizer, and this is not, not you know, listen, time will tell, but I was like, all right, you know what? It still is relatively new. Maybe it's still the doubt in me. I was like, if I'm going to do it, 
I'm gonna do the Moderna and Pfizer. Just because the Johnson and Johnson one, and I'm not shooting it out, I'm not dropping it out the window, or nothing. I'm just just because it's still relatively new, hasn't hasn't been taken by that many people. I'm once once I saw the Moderna Pfizer, I forgot the how many million market went. I was like, you know what? If there's some shit in here, then there's gonna be a lot of us with some shit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm that kind of person. Sometimes I'm like, I see a but I'm like, you know what, there, bro, that. There's gonna be a lot of people in the water then if that's the case. You know what I'm saying? So let's jump. Like, you Absolutely. know what I mean? So I was like, all right, cool. If I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do that. Cause now I and I'm seeing a lot of people do this one. Black people, white people. So we can't even go into that whole um racial plan or economic plan, poor people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, although although there is some talk that it seems like they're trying to leverage one vaccine, the Johnson and Johnson, more in busy places. Um you know, large cities, which tend to be urban areas, but that's a different conversation. But for the most part, this is this, these two vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna are being distributed out to multiple people across demographics, across genders, things of that nature. So I feel comfortable with that. Um, when my sister got it and then my mom got it, um, especially my mom who was, you know, she's 72, um, going to be 72 on the 24th. Um, that was a concern of mine. So I was like, oh, she got it too. And I was like, okay. I, I've always been very mindful of um, coming around her throughout this pandemic, you know, and, and, and necessarily, you know, going places and who I interact with and, and having to, um, you know, be in her presence. So I think that that helped motivated me also. And then I think, man, just getting ready to come out this pandemic and wanting to be able to travel and go places and do things again. And I've just been looking into a lot of logistics of things. And I started to realize that it's really going to be a hassle to try to move around without being vaccinated. Like you're going to have to prove a negative test or show a vaccine, but you have to prove a negative test pretty much anytime you're going to want to travel or or go somewhere or or do something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I don't know how many times I want to, you know, have that swab shoved up my nose, you know, like if I'm being real, it it might just be better in the long run to, you know, get the vaccine um, and, and, and be past that spot. And uh, I I mean, I haven't done a whole lot, but I I low key kind of feel like, I got the bulletproof vessel on me now. Like I got, the, <laughs> like, I got like I got the scat on me. Like I I ain't looking for trouble, but if y'all if y'all letting it go, yeah. I got something on me too. You know, ninety five percent. Yeah, so it's like I feel like you know I'm still diligent, still mask up, sanitizer, all of that. But um, I don't know if it's a mental thing, but I, a little bit like when I'm going to the gym so far and all that, I kind of feel like you know a little safer in my mind. You know yeah. that like I know for sure that like I, my body is more prepared to fight this. Um, but hey, man, this is not the COVID uh, propaganda show. I mean, vaccine propaganda show. We have no endorsement from any of the manufacturers, anything like that. We're not sponsored by the CDC. I'm not telling anybody what to do. But that was my personal reasoning and assessment of where I got to taking the Moderna vaccine. Um, Dr. J, I know you're more involved in this field, but you got vaccinated as well. Um, share with us, you know, what got you to that point and, and, and what made you choose the vaccine that you did? Absolutely. Like, first, uh, it's dope the the way you came to your informed decision, brother. Um, so I'm happy about it. Uh, for me, really, so I got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And I was- You got equity in that or something? Not at Family all. company? No, I don't own one stock. I gotcha. need to, though. The plan is to own some stock in it, though. Um, but I don't, own, I don't own one stock in Johnson & Johnson right now. Also haven't received one paycheck from them. Maybe I should talk to them and get them on the horn and tell them I need to get a paycheck off of it. But uh, I strategically waited to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for several reasons. Uh, one, 
So I knew I was going to get vaccinated because. Oh, just, so you waited. How early could you have possibly have gotten it? Let's say if you wanted it out the gate. Out, how, the, gate, out the gate. Oh, you could have gotten it out the gate. Because of what you're doing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got you. Dope. Right? Like I was in the first two groups, healthcare provider one, and then the second group being educators. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait for the Johnson & Johnson one. And so I knew I was going to get vaccinated because, you know, like being around, like my daughter has been hospitalized twice. Well, hospitalized in a, you know, uh, one time and then the second, I see one time, second time was in um, the emergency room, right? Like right before COVID hit. And then, you know, like I had a nephew that was at higher risk because he was born premature. Um, so it was just certain things for me that I was like, I know I'm going to get vaccinated because I want to protect other people that's around me, uh, other loved ones that I really care about. And I also want to be able to visit other loved ones uh, safely. That's so key. I knew I was going to get it for me personally. Uh, the reason why I decided to wait for the Johnson & Johnson one was because for several reasons. One, they came to the table uh, when we had that talk. I'm not sure if you was able to attend. Um, no, I was there on, on the uh, Zoom you had. Right, where, they, where we, we let go with community questions to their people on their vaccine team where they had to answer those questions. Uh, I felt like I really appreciate that and that they came to the community to talk, even with all the controversy around them, surrounding them. Speaking of controversy, I knew there was a lot of controversy surrounding Johnson & Johnson, right? So they were going to be the one that black people look at the most and be the most skeptic about. Um, and then the last one was with their numbers and not under people didn't necessarily understand what the numbers meant. They was just comparing percentages, but you couldn't compare the two vaccines because they wasn't tested at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Like Pfizer and Moderna was tested when all of our COVID numbers was down. Johnson and Johnson was tested when our numbers was going back up through the roof the again. Peak. Interesting. Right. They was also tested in Brazil and South Africa, which is the two strains that we was worried about. And then also the way that they did their research and the way that they updated. So they released their information in the January, beginning of February. Then they came back at the end of February and said, yo, we realized the increase in the numbers. And it's because, so I'm pretty sure they told you after you take your Moderna, after you take Pfizer, um, after your second dose, 14 days, you're considered fully vaccinated. Right. So Johnson & Johnson was looking at their vaccine at first 14 days after taking a shot. And that's when they realized it was somewhere in like 66, 72% effective, which is still good because your flu vaccine is even less effective than that. Um, what they didn't realize was that when they waited 28 days out, that number jumped up to 88% in America, mm. right? So I was like, oh, it's at 88% and it's one dose. Just, you know what? Just stick me one time, right? Like I'm, I'm healthy, I'm young, I can deal with the 88%. And then they also found out that after 28 days, 100% of the people that had the vaccine didn't end up in the hospital. I was like, I'm good to go, right? I know that if I get this vaccine, I'm 100% sure not to die from the actual virus. I'm good to go. So now when I go out and tell people, let me educate you on getting the vaccine. I advocate for it, but after I educate you, you decide you don't want to, you don't have to get vaccinated because you've made an informed decision. But if you do decide to get vaccinated, I couldn't sit up there and tell you all three vaccines are safe, but I didn't get the one with the lowest number. So now when I tell you all three are safe and I personally got the one with the lowest number, I can fully advocate for that now. Right? And, I, and I think you've made a solid case as to, and, and shed some light as to why you're comfortable with that one. Mm -hmm. There's certain parameters, I mean, um, you know, one thing I'll always remember about taking statistics in undergrad is it, it, it makes very clear how you have to be careful how you gather data. 
yes. and different parameters for data and how data could be skewed. And you you just shed light on that too, as to you know the conditions as to when it was tested and where it was tested and all these different things. And then as you mentioned too, the preconceived notions. You know, there's been a joke going around on social media, and I'm sure you've heard it before. You know, folks like you know they can't even get baby powder right. How are they gonna get the vaccine? <laughs> and you know. It, these are real things, though, that will affect people's perception and, and view, um, you know, with something like the vaccine coming from J&J. So that is something they're going to have to battle. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to do that. Also, just quick tips for anybody that's thinking about getting vaccinated. So some of the majority of the people don't necessarily have side effects from it outside of a sore arm. Yeah. But the side effects that they are seeing with Moderna and Pfizer especially after your, if you had COVID after the first dose, you tend to get sick for like 24 to 36 hours, almost like uh, emulating signs of COVID. Uh, if you never had COVID, then you tend to get those symptoms after the second dose, which lasts for like 24 hours. So I would recommend for anybody, if you can take the next day off, do it. A lot of us, especially black folks, we can't afford to take the next day off. So I would say take two Tylenol and get some rest as much as you can. Try to make sure you get a good night's sleep when you do that. Um, yeah, man. And, you know, so I, I think it's good. I think that's dope that we shared our experiences, brother. Uh, so now people know, you know, you know, drop us a comment. Let us know if you got vaccinated, if you're thinking about getting vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, let us know that as well, brother. Um, and then moving right along, and I guess it goes along with this as well, into politics and it goes into the American Rescue Plan. Uh, so the, the bill was passed, $1.9 trillion. Dallas, uh, which was a huge bill, it was passed both by, you know, Democratic Senate, Democratic um, Republic. And it's a lot of things in the bill, a lot of the things. One of the things that this bill is going to do is that this is going to help pull a significant amount of children out of childhood poverty. Sorry. It's also going to help pull half of black children out of childhood poverty. Uh, so on one hand, that sounds dope. On the other hand, pulling them out of the poverty, like the poverty line is extremely low. So if they think that pulling them out of poverty is going to make a significant difference, right. it's really not. But it does allow, so your child, you if you have a child that's under six years age, you get an extra $250 a month. If you have a child that's six or older, you get $200 a month, which is undeniably going to help a lot of families, especially in places that don't have... Um, like they don't have high high rent rates and high um, high bills for people to pay, right? So that's going to help significantly. So I am happy about that. People also get another fourteen hundred dollars for themselves. People and get children. another what? Fourteen hundred. Who getting that? <laughs> Who getting that? Listen, man. Find me at your local check cashing. Riding around in a Nissan Pathfinder with a champ hoodie on, conehead, Carnhart. Dickie's on with some Tim Boots. Let me find out you got that 1400, man. Let me find out you got that 1400, man. Give me the loot. Uh, but that's what's up, though, man. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't never gotten, I ain't getting stimulated, so I'm hating a little yeah, bit. I'm, you know I, what I mean? I'm but, not getting it. I, I'm also a little bothered that my daughter can't get it either because I'm not getting it. Oh, right, right. Because um, I did read that. It doesn't matter. Yeah, how many children? Yeah, once, once you're, once the parents are um, unqualified. Yeah. I'm almost starting to contemplate, like, Damn, should I let her mother claim her then? Um, but we'll see. I ain't do my taxes yet. So we'll see when I do my taxes. I'm going to do them within like the next two, three weeks. Um, yeah, Haven't so I think. done his taxes because he too turned up. Yeah, pretty much. It's exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> and don't want to cut that check to them. 
So yeah, yeah, brother. So that that's um that's the American tax rescue plan, man. Yeah, man. I, I listen. I I think uh I think it, it's definitely. I know. I know it was some fight. You know, people was in the uh, memes and social media saying, "Come on, Joe, is it that Joe?" Like, you yeah. know, this is that. But I mean, it's like, bro, you got to remember that. You know, that the the party that was in the office right before Joe came in. You know, they wasn't trying to give no bread. So, you know, they, they still going to fight it, you know, like it's not a single Republican right, voted for voted this. for this. Keep that in mind. So it's not that easy. But I, I will say also something, you know, not to get off topic, but something that um, people have mentioned is um, the ability of these governments to create not even these governments, our government to create money without necessarily rising infl inflation. You know, Janet Yellen has been very vocal on it without necessarily um creating inflation mm -hmm. um, as uh, anybody with a basic understanding of, 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 of economics would think. So, yeah, re reparations? Just, no. <laughs> yo, <laughs> but you know what, listen, man? man it, it could be, you know, listen, man, it, it could be done. We've seen it. We've seen it. You know what? We, look, we should get reparations, especially if you descended from slaves in this country. You should get reparations, but we'll, we'll, we'll have a we'll nice We'll have a full, full, full in-depth discussion on that. Absolutely. So we'll yeah, shout out all y'all get stimulated, man. You yeah, know what man. I mean? Happy do do something right. Just, push, you know, push something in the stock market. Just um, be careful at your local check cashing because you know you see, <laughs> CT stars roaming around. You know, I'm hating a little bit. I'm hating. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Good, good, good. All right. Um, entertainment, brother. Let's let's move on to to entertainment. You want to start with Snowfall? You want to start with Kirk Franklin? Man, start with Kirk Franklin because I've seen a real funny uh, meme on this, um, well, a, a comedy take, and you put me on this. I, I wasn't even aware of it. So let me ask you a question first. Kirk Franklin's son is 33 years old? Yes. Okay. So let me see if I got the story right. Kirk Franklin and his son, Kirk Franklin, well-known um, gospel singer, is he a reverend also or is he just a gospel singer? That's a good does, does he have a church of his own that he? I don't know. He got his church might be God's property. Okay, but he's he he he's a um he's a well known gospel singer. Um, so Kirk Franklin and his son is having an argument. Um, his son decides to film, not to not to film to well yeah he he did it on video but either way record the discussion that he's having with his dad. Apparently they use the term estranged son, so it seems like I'm not sure for how how long, but there's they're, they're not on good for terms for some time, for right? But he's a full adult. He's not a, it's not a little kid we're talking about. It's a full adult, but it seems like for quite some time their relationship has been rocky. So they're having an argument. The son records the argument, and I guess it was supposed to shock the world because his you know this Christian gospel singer, um, he's cursing his son out. Um, he's cursing his son out, and he threatens him on on the call. Um, now, basically, the the joke that I was seeing it was it was hilarious because I guess the phrase that was used was uh, "bitch ass nigga." That's that's what Kurt Franklin called called it. <laughs> so he was like, "I can understand the uproar if he was six years old or seven years old, and his dad was calling him a bitch ass nigga." The man is thirty three years old. I'm sure he's been called a bitch ass nigga before. And then he was like, "Furthermore, he's sitting here recording conversations to share with social media. That's some bitch ass nigga shit to do. Like clearly, you are a bitch ass nigga. Like, no matter who right, who wrong, why?" Are you recording this convo to with, with a motive to now use this as some kind of leverage or something, some kind of Watergate espionage type move? 
You know? Um, oh, so listen, man, I don't know what the whole background is. I, I don't really know what their relationship <laughs> is like, but uh, man, it's not a little kid. Like, this is, that's that's like basically my me at my age. And you know what I mean? If, 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 if Big Trev was still alive, we was having an argument and I knew he was in a certain stature, certain position. I'm like, oh, I'm going to record this. This, this is going to expose you, Mr. Christian, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, come on, son. Who moves like that? Like, bro, you're 33. You're a grown man, bro. You're a grown so, man. All right. So here, here, here's my take on it. Um, first, let me just say that father-son's relationships are very unique to fathers and sons. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about active fathers. I'm not talking about non-active fathers. Active fathers who are in their children's life and raising their sons. Um, and it's a relationship that moms can't understand, right? Um, and don't get me wrong, it's also very different from mother-daughter relationships, mother-son relationships, father-daughter relationships, right? Especially black fathers, black sons, I'm talking about right now, mm -hmm. right? Like when you raising a black son, when you being raised by a black man, like you, there's an understanding within the man, the father's point that this world is cruel to black boys and black men. And it's built in America, I'm talking about. Right. And it's built to trick them, capture them, enslave them or kill them in some way, shape, or form, right? Like, historically, it has been hell-bent on taking a black man out of the black family, right? And, <clears throat> like, there's this thing within black fatherhood of you have a choice. You can either raise your child, raise your son, and be hard on him, almost to the point where it is cruel. Where it creates resentment, possibly. Right? Yeah. But it's like a 90% success rate because you know that if you harder on him than anybody else, the rest of the world can't touch or scratch his armor that he's built up over the years. That. Yeah. Right. And or you can be nice. You can be kind and understanding and loving. And it's like a coin flip of how that son will, will react when the world becomes cruel to him. Mm. Right. Like, and I, and I know it because... Like my, my grandfather was hard on my dad, right? And it was it was a big part of that was because my grandfather didn't necessarily my grandfather didn't have his father. Like he was he would some white men held him down over a train tracks and and let a train run over him, right? And that was when my grandfather was, I think, 13, 14, right? So he didn't had it. And he, my grand my father used to always say my grandfather famous sayings was when I was your age, my father was gone and I had to figure shit out. Right? So my dad was hard on me. And it wasn't until I started understanding about how hard my grandfather was. Because people would, to this day, I've run into older people that's like, your name is Julius Johnson III? You Julius Johnson's grandson? Yo, if you ever need anything, let me know because I loved your grandfather. He the only person that was giving me a job or hiring around here or looked out for me and took care. Like he, he was the most perfect person to everybody but my father who he was excruciating excruciatingly hard on, mm -hmm. right? And it's similar with my father and I when I was growing up in terms of people were like, yo, your, your dad is great. He's lovely. But for me, he was hard on me. Like my when when Kirk Franklin threatened to put his foot in his son's ass, my father put his foot in my ass a couple of times. Mm -hmm. 
right? That's real. In private, in public. And I understand, I, I appreciate and I love everything about it because we were also able to have conversations about it afterwards. And he was also able to tell me and I can get a better understanding now that I know who his dad is, now that I'm successful, now that I know what this world does to black boys. Right. So I appreciate it, right? And I think a lot of people who are making com comments on this Kirk Franklin situation with his son is are not black men, black sons, and not in charge of having to raise successful black boys, right? And, and I get it, right? I It's not easy. I'm not saying it's the right way to raise them. Right. But I'm saying it's the way that guarantees the most success for these black boys. Because our situation is, it, it, you can't use the typical lens of how you would analyze a parent and a child. and Because our situation is not the typical way. Our outcomes are not the typical way. Not we all. have a totally unique path. Thus, we have to have a total unique relationship and a, a unique rearing. And I think you a lot of the things that you touched on, I can relate to in the sense of... Um, it's it's really uh I think especially for 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 those of us um black men who had active fathers in our lives um whose dads you know played a strong role in in our upbringing I think it takes especially if you're worried about old school dad like we were mm -hmm. I think it takes a little bit of some uh, maturity and development on your own to really realize a lot of what your dad was trying to do you know because I think it was for like for me like around like right after like at like in my 20s um and it's crazy because what my dad passed uh when i was 30 right before you know 30 before i turned 31 but it's funny because it's really in my 20s and i always appreciated my dad but it was really in my 20s when a lot of the light bulbs started going off on the various things that he was doing mm -hmm. and and did over the years and what he was trying to teach and show and convey about manhood you know a, a lot of these things really, the light bulb went off like, oh, that's that's what that was about. Oh, that was, that was you know, he wasn't just being a jerk. That was about depending on yourself. You know, don't mm -hmm. depend on another man to do this for you. Like, be able to do this yourself or this, that, or, oh, this was about loyalty. This is about people will deceive you. So when it happens, you're not, you know, a, a lot you know a lot of these things was, was life lessons. So when it happened to me, you know, and, and, you know, there's other things that will happen to me, whether he's here or he's not. I've already been prepped for it, but, um, you know, similar as you said, I mean, you know, old school Jamaican pops, you know, it, if, if you don't have a good understanding of self and you're not able to kind of do a little bit of revisionist history and look back and get the full perspective of things, I can see where some, a lot of, it, it could just look all cruel and like it had no intention. You know, it's a movie I always loved, man. And I, I, I what you're, what you're speaking on kind of, um, makes me think about it kind of like even like the relationship that Denzel had with his son in the movie Fences based yeah. on the play Yeah. and remember I always love that scene where he's talking about dad why, why don't you like me and he goes through that and all that is a prep for the world that lays ahead for his son as a black man and a lot of it is also based on some of the hurt that he's had to deal with kind of like what, you, what your grandfather did with your dad the hurt that he's had to deal with as a black man himself probably having a hard time finding work this this that so he's trying to tell him like save yourself that hurt and that heartache don't go through life worrying about if people like, like you. you you know and he's telling him about just the relationship that he's going to have with his boss and this this that um so i think the the the, the whole notion is like we're saying that our situation as as black boys who grew up to be black men in america our situation is unique and i think in order to successfully 
um, overcome the different pitfalls and obstacles that lay in our path, I think our dads and our male figures in our lives, or particularly our dads, have to take a unique uh, approach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there has to be a balance to it. I'm not saying, you know, child abuse, um, but I think it's going to be a little bit um, more of a hardened approach than what people are used to seeing. Because yes. the path, the path ahead of us is very hard. So you, you, you're gonna you're gonna need that level of prep. But if you're 33 years old, recording a conversation, no matter yeah, that, if, it's, if it's your girlfriend, <clears throat> your man's, your dad, you's a bitch ass nigga, dog. That, that, that's, that's another thing. I can't. I, I can't live you never, in you a never household. Put, you never put family business down yeah. the street, bro. That's the number I can't one rule. Do that. Yeah, right. Like family business stays behind closed doors. Family I'm, business stays I'm huge in the family. On that. Um, yeah. So that's on that. Uh, the other episode. Uh, the other thing to talk about in entertainment. Snowfall. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going through your brain. If you wait a week to watch Snowfall, this is on you. You can skip ahead the next five, six minutes because we're right. about to talk about it. It's, it's this episode dropping on Tuesday, so it's like, come on. So big, biggest thing now, brother. So Leon killed Scully's daughter, mm-hmm. also Man Boy's niece. Mm-hmm. Which you, I think is just a crazy, interesting thing anyway, yeah. the fact that... Uh, Man boy's sister is with Scully. And they really, they actually have beef. That, they, that's they, that's yeah. the thing that bugs me about it. So let me ask you this, brother. Mm. Do you feel Leon was in the wrong and that he acted irrational? Um, so context. Yes. What we're seeing is a lot of is where the crack epidemic went. In, you know, in, in Los Angeles. And, yeah. and, and this happened in many cities, but particularly mm-hmm. in LA. LA is the example the lens we're seeing it through. So what we're seeing in this particular episode now, the time point we're at, and this is what even John Singleton was trying to convey when he was laying out the script plans before he passed away. What we're now starting to see is the increase in violence. You know, gang culture been around in LA from the 70s, early 70s, mm-hmm. but now we're seeing the increase of violence amongst gang culture due to the profitability of narcotics and controlling narcotics. Um trafficking and, and, and trade routes. And then also with the with the profits that come from narcotics, the ability to buy heavier firepower, heavier ammunition. Um so so the conflict is is hot. You know we're seeing the the cops don't even know how to react to it. Franklin doesn't even know how to react to it. Like there's always been conflict in neighborhoods from 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 before. That's just a thing that exists, right? Just social interactions. But now we're seeing that it's it's like war zone. Yeah. Um so that that's just a little context there. It's, it's, it's a different climate. Um, now, in regards to Leon in particular, Leon is dragged into the middle of a life and death situation because of Scully's um, beef with, with particularly Franklin now, right? No. Because Scully's aware um, no, no, of no, the no, fact, no. brother. What's up? Leon is dragged into this because of Franklin. No, no. Let, Nobody, me, I, let me get there. Yeah, let me get there. Nah, let me get there. Let me get there. I'm, I, I, it is because of Franklin. But I'm just I'm just giving the context of how mm-hmm. we, you know, what it is. So because Scully is aware that Franklin tried to set him up to have him killed and he survived it, he's getting any one of Franklin's peoples. One of those peoples that he knows is his his he, and he doesn't know if he's on the in or the out. He just knows that's his man. But also that's his that's Leon's muscle that he can rely on. Like right. that's his he's the piece that you would be most worried about if you're gonna touch Franklin and right. somebody's gonna retaliate. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um he's he's fully he's fully Scully's fully aware um of who Leon is and you know, he's he's if he can't find Franklin, he's gonna try to get at somebody that he knows that's in Franklin's crew. And and that's Leon. It just so happens that at the 
the present time, Leon and Franklin is not even seeing eye to eye. But guess what? That don't even matter when it comes to stuff like this. People know you use my mans. They looking for me. Oh, they go JJ over there. Oh, it's on. You know what I mean? And funny thing is me and you might have fell out over something silly, you know, um, two months ago. But nobody worried about that. Yeah. They, 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 you and me synonymous, you know? So that's what that is. Um, so there was, listen, man, there was a whole attempt on, um, on, on Leon early in the episode. Um, shout out to Wanda making the recovery. Luckily, Wanda gave him enough time to yeah. kind of get alert, yeah. you and, know? And Scully accidentally shot someone close to Leon, Wanda. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as, as sad as it is her trajectory, you know, you could you saw it in the hospital. Leon still got feelings for her, oh, absolutely. you know, and, and, and wish she didn't go down that path. Um, and honestly, if you look when, when, um, and I knew something was going to happen, the way they were sitting in the car and the guy pushing the cart, I was yeah. like, something's about to pop off. But listen, man, it just so happened that they was going to pull out too. When they saw what who, it, when they saw who was in the car. They sh didn't they shoot first? I think I'm they not shot, sure. I got to rewatch it. I'm not but sure. I, I, I but it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's not like they just pulled up to the car and was just looking and was going to drive off. And yeah, no, Leon no. just acted wild and yeah. irrational. Like it they was ready to go too. Yeah. It just so happened that, but you know, it's not like Leon knew there was a child in the car and shot the car up. Yeah. He found out out after Afterwards. he let the shots off. So in, to answer your, your question, do I think Leon acted irrationally? I, I don't think so because I got to analyze the intent. And in terms of the intent, he didn't know that um, that was taking place. Yeah. So he, 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 he didn't know that she was there. She was the little girl was in the car, you know, unfortunately for her. But these are the kind of situations that started to happen and became real prevalent as the crack epidemic, you know, took off because the violence just so, you know, a lot of innocent people were, were, were getting caught in, in the middle of this. And and so here. Here's my thing. Right. Leon wanted nothing to do with this war. Leon told right, Franklin. He even advised Franklin. He told from, Franklin, yep. mind you, and he not fucking with Franklin right now. He told Franklin, yo, stay out of it. Let, let man boy and Scully have their problems. And then, right, Franklin does the shooting and Leon goes, I'm still not fucking, I mean, Franklin tells Leon, I'm still not fucking with you, right? And then he gets shot at, somebody close to him gets shot. He goes to retaliate, but he's looking just for Scully. He wasn't looking for nobody else. He was looking for Scully. He had to drop. They pull up on him in a car, right? If you got my daughter and you riding around with my daughter. Right, that's also bad. You shouldn't be shooting at nobody. That's true. Right, like you should not, if you got my daughter in the car with you, don't shoot at nobody because you know what happens when you shoot at people? People shoot back. It's exactly my point. Good point. Um, and, and that's my biggest thing because I, I got into a Twitter argument with, um, not argument, but going back and forth on Twitter. Still be in the Twitter arguments, man? Nah, just going back and forth on Twitter, you know, for the love of it, um, with Sayo. And she's like, this is all Leon's fault. He's so damn irrational. I'm like, People are shooting at him. What you want him to do? People are shooting at him. And he he returning fire. So, you know, that 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 was a good thing um, right there. We also watching the Knicks uh Nets game right yeah, now. And Julius Randle is Eat pissed it. off because somebody hit the ball when he was going for a tie in three and he put it back down and they called it travel. Um, so he's tight. He don't realize that this is not playground school rules. <laughs> um, yeah, so it sucks. The Knicks lost a close game. Um yeah, man. So that's how I feel. Also, if you do not watch Snowfall, that is the best show out on TV, hands down. Period. Right? You should definitely watch Snowfall. It comes up on FX. It's a great show. It's a very great show. Um, yeah, man. But uh, other than that, brother, 
Only thing really left to talk about was the Grammys and Nas winning a rap album of the year. Queens get the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His first his first Grammy. Uh, he been in the game 30 plus years. Shout out to Nas. Um, I know Trev felt like Freddie Gibbs should have won album of the year with his project Alfredo. Um, there you go. <laughs> Grammy nominated, Grammy winner Nas. Yeah. Turn that up, turn that up, man. Shout out to Nas, man. Shout out to Nas. This is huge. We go in. We go in. My pants poster sad. We go in ultra. Yeah. Shout out to Nas, man. I think what 14 nominations he's had prior to this? Yeah. Finally won it. Yeah. I remember, yo, you know what's crazy, bro? A lot of people don't realize this. When Blueprint and um, Stillmatic 2 was going head-to-head for album of the year. You know who won? Who won? Take a guess. I really don't recall. Ja Rule. The, Gra- <laughs> the Grammys would do something like that. I was, trying to think, I was trying to think of some random album that came out around that time that would have took it. And they really just didn't want to be controversial and get in between. In between, yeah. Right, like, because people still listen to Stillmatic. People still listen to Blueprint. Very few people li- still come on, right? right? So, age. and I think that was the Rule Three Three Six album. But um, shout out to any thoughts you want to share on that? Um, so personally, pers personally, my personal take. Man, the keys on this. Shout out Alchemist, man. I, I I hope I don't know if he has, but I hope Alchemist gets um a, a, a Grammy because his production from the joints of Mob D to man, Alchemist too smooth with it. But so that's a snippet. That's from Scotty Bean by Freddie Gibbs. Um, me personally, and this is coming from a Nas fan, it's coming from a Queens dude. I'm just being honest. I feel like Nas should have been had his Grammy. Big ups mm-hmm. to Nas getting his Grammy last night. I could never be mad at that. But I just feel like if we're comparing King's Disease, strictly King's Disease, and strictly Alfredo, I thought Alfredo was the better album. Me personally, I thought Alfredo was the album of the year, but King's Disease was a great album. It was also a great Nas album. It was the better of a Nas album in a little bit of some time for a veteran legendary MC. Mm-hmm. Um, much better than the joint that came out with Kanye, which had like one or two joints like Bonjour on there that I really liked. But um, it was a great album. I just thought that sonically, um, you know, I even had the vinyl for Alfredo, just the instrumentals, because the instrumentals alone that Alchemist cooked up on there is just, it's very acoustic. It's a lot of live instrumentation on there. Um, so I just thought Alfredo was the better album. But, um, and I had posted this on the gram. What I, what I, what I think we saw was an example of, I, I had said, I think this is exactly why you got to give the people their flowers in the moment. Because when you don't, what you end up doing is taking away somebody else's moment to make right for your oversight. Mm-hmm. So my personal take is the Grammys might have felt like when they were doing their review, I don't really know what their criteria is, how they do they voting, but they might have felt like Gibbs deserved it. But because they know that Nas is a legend and they know that Nas has been on the wrong side of the snub a couple times, they was like, you know what, let's make right and give Nas his Grammy, you know? And I'm not mad at it, but I'm just kind of like... Man, this particular Grammy wasn't not. There was a bunch of them that wasn't, but I feel like this particular one, as it's coming from a Nas fan, I I feel like it should have went to Freddie Gibbs. But I'm glad my I'm glad my dude finally got it. But I just feel like the way you could avoid this is don't play games, man. Stop stop playing like, like give a jaw rule a Grammy. Like come on, man. Like give people their proper awards. 
during the respective time that they should get it. And then you don't have to, you know, it's, it's like a relationship. It's like how you deal with your people. It's like, you know what I mean? You do right by your people from the beginning. Then you don't have to try to play cleanup and play Mr. Nice Guy down the road because he was doing, you know, you was doing dirt or whatever the case may have been at, at a certain period of time. If you was just on your, on, on your job from the jump, then you wouldn't have to do that. Yeah. So um, well, I, I, that's just my take. I, but it was I, a great I, album. And shout yeah. out to Nas, man. Uh, personally, I like the album. I think his album was better than Gibbs. I think Gibbs' album was more so monotone, but it was a great album. I think Nas' album um, showed a lot of versatility, which I really liked. I actually like Benny the Butcher' album uh, second uh, behind Nas' album, which I thought was very good. Um, Big boy. Yeah, boy, but uh, yeah. shout out to Nas, uh, Legend, Queens, even though I'm Brooklyn, and I still haven't forgiven him for making either, but Jay uh, accepted it, so it's all love now. But yeah, what man. What you think you're getting girls now because of your looks? <laughs> Negro, please. Yeah. But now, uh, another episode in the books, brother. Another episode. How oh, you feel, man? Episode man? 16, man. That was dope, man. That was dope. I feel good. I feel good. I'm glad to get back to it. Um, I ain't going to hold you. It's NBA that you got in the background sometimes. Because <laughs> we're, not, we're not hearing it, but we're looking at it. So I just feel like sometimes it's kind of grabbing my attention a little bit. I mean, and I'm very curious to go home and watch SportsCenter and find out what exactly went down with that Nets-Knicks game at the yeah. end. I couldn't really tell if Kyrie did, in fact, hit that ball. But, man, I feel good, man. I feel good. Um, you know, I left the gym today around 6 p.m., and it was still light out for, like, a whole another 45 minutes. So uh, yeah, I just, you know, being a spring baby, man, I always appreciate um, when we have the longer daytime hours. It just, you know, it's the same 24 hours in a day, but I feel like it just makes the, it makes the, it makes you appreciate the day more. It makes you almost feel like mentally you have more time to get things done because it doesn't get dark as early. So I feel like that alone has lifted up my spirit. You know, we're getting closer to April 1st, so of course I'm in a good mood. Um, all is well, man. Episode 16, From the Block to the Boardroom. Absolutely, man. Let's cook up another visual one soon. We're going we're gonna to definitely uh, get in the lab and put together a nice visual episode for these people soon. Absolutely, absolutely. You got something, Benny the Butcher, you wanted to leave us on? Play for the people. Man, as well, we, listen, as we, man. Listen, as we man. Get out of here. Burden of proof. That's, you know, that's been the thing that we've been talking about. That whole, you know, last year was about branding. This, this year is about expanding. expanding. But um, so that that was off a of burden of proof produced by Hit Boy. Um, Plugs I Met One was real dope, but he's coming out with Plugs I Met Two, exclusively produced by Harry Fraud. So you probably familiar with Harry Fraud from a lot of work at French Montana, um, currency, a couple other rappers. But um, Man, he got the song on it called Thanksgiving, where he just talking about a lot of his mans from Buffalo and just being thankful for stuff he did from back when they was on the corner to him even giving dudes legal jobs now through BSF and stuff like that. And between the beat and the talk, it's just, it's elite, man. We'll take a moment man, we're going we're gonna to leave you out with this, man. Have a good day. Go out, support. Uh, drop some, drop a review for and us, some comments, five-star review, man. please. Absolutely, yeah. from the block to the ball in episode like 16. Me, them hand-to-hand sales made you. Uh-huh. I'm one of them hustlers, you gotta tell thank you. Thank you. Got advice from my dog, I accept it cause it's love. He said we did the work, you giving too much credit to the plug. That was us on that corner, Montana and Genesee. When niggas couldn't sell it, they self, they was hitting me. I was one call away, I pull up with the drugs with me. And you don't know the pressure of owing the plug 50. Got a jail call, he told me stay dangerous, take it easy. Was in the day room and couldn't believe he see me on TV. He spent money on this bitch every time he got work through. Caught seven years and she only visited the first two. Damn, rappers in my genre wanna be me still. I'm too far ahead, it's easy to feel like I'm cheating when I read these deals. Talking you live like this, it's gonna make them hate you. This will fuel them to get off their ass. I made them greater. You should thank me, nigga. Thank me. That nigga can't tell me what I should do. Tell me thank you. Tell me thank you.
Y'all niggas should tell me. I think Rain like how I'm back in the game. When it did that little bit, now my hoes ain't knacking the same. Stressing, I did them sentences without stacking no change. Getting high inside, knowing my pride ain't matching my wage. Let me take you back to that blue building back in the day. Why I trapped them two for 15s plus, that was my age. From that little stage, two or three years, I mastered my ways. We'd be the Jacksons and yay if they gave our plaques for the game. Let me take you back to that little pot, that little flame. Brick to a sports agency. We respect grinding, I'm signing offensive linemen and be a mech riders. You wanna meet in with BSF and be a check rider in therapy, learning to walk again. Fought them in a robbery, they shot me. I'm back cocky in the jewelry that I bought again. They want me to post when I slide to say I'm gangster. Trust me, it won't make us the gram, it's gonna make the papers. Thank us, thank us. Ah, tell me thank you. Y'all niggas should tell me thank you.